Turn your Bible, please, to Matthew chapter 26, verse 57. Matthew 26, verse 57. Come with me, if you will, back to old Jerusalem. It was Passover time, a holy time. Judas Iscariot and some of the Sanhedrin had been up all day planning and plotting how to put to death the creator of the universe, the Son of God. So now they come to Gethsemane's garden. The Lord Jesus had already met in the upper room with the disciples. He had given that wonderful truth, let not your heart be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself, and where I am that you may be also. The Bible says in Matthew 26, 57, they that laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. After that awful night in Gethsemane, and incidentally, Calvary was settled in Gethsemane. That night in the garden, Jesus had left his disciples one place the other three in another place. Then he went alone and talked with God. And what he said to God was so sacred. He said, Father, if it could be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Now, what cup was he talking about? It was not his death on the cross. That's when he came. The awful cup was the horrendous reign of sin that would be placed on Jesus. And when he went to Calvary, it was not just the physical agony, it was the awful weight of our ugly sins pressed upon him. So that he fully accomplished an atonement and a pardon and paid the death penalty for our sins. That was settled at Calvary. But it was pre-settled at Gethsemane. Soon after midnight, on the day of the Passover, a holy day, Judas and the armed guards led Jesus away bound. There were actually two trials that ensued in those early hours of that fateful morning, an ecclesiastical trial and a civil trial. The ecclesiastical trial was the trial of the Sanhedrin. The Jews hated Jesus, especially Caiaphas and Annas. They were jealous, they were filled with themselves, they cared not a whit for the Jews, 
They just wanted to better themselves. And this was power hungry. Sanhedrin met that night and again after daybreak. The civil trial was for Pilate. And the reason for the civil trial, because as much as the Jews wanted to kill Jesus, they did not have the authority to do it. The Roman law was such that the Jewish law could not condemn a man to death. They had to get the sanction of the Roman government. The power of the Roman government was given to Pilate, the procreator of that area. The trial that day was a tragic day, a tragic trial. It was the unveiling of the real human nature of man. There are three words that describe that ignoble drama. Power, position, popularity. It was a desire for power that caused Judas to sell out to himself. It was a lust for power that caused the high priest Caiaphas to become insanely jealous of Jesus. It was a fear and desire for position that caused Pilate to bow to injustice in his court and surrender the demands of the Jews. It was a thrill of popularity in the fickle frame of a moment that led the jury and the mob of Jerusalem to cry out to the Roman government, crucify him, crucify him, release Barabbas. It's a sad commentary on all men of all ages. But that day in Jerusalem, when the God of the world had to come to trial before his creation. God who was all pure, holy, just, righteous, coming to trial before a sin-filled population. Let's see how it happened. At the trial that day was the defendant, the judge, and the jury. First of all, the defendant. In Matthew 27, verse 11, and Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. Here was Jesus, whom the prophets had written, He should come, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, shall call his name Jesus, Emmanuel. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light, unto us a child is born. And to us the Son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulders, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor of the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's a song we sang while ago, Blessed be the name. His name shall be called Counselor, Mighty God. The best friend a man ever had was the Lord Jesus. You think of Matthew the publican. Everyone hated the publicans. They were tax collectors. When Jesus called Matthew, people looked up, sort of wondered, what in the world's wrong with Jesus? Why would he call this wicked, sinful publican 
to be a disciple. Matthew found her to be the first friend he ever had. You think of that woman taken in adultery. The Jewish law said she ought to be stoned. And Jesus said, he that is without sin cast the first stone. That woman found in adultery, found that Jesus was the best friend she'd ever had. And I want to tell you today, no matter what your sin is, no matter what your doubts are, and what your rebellion is, the best friend you could ever have is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Think of the insane man in the tombs. They were all afraid of him. He cut himself. He fell down in rhythms. And then Jesus came. And Jesus commanded the evil spirit to come out. Then the insane man was made whole. Later he would say, he's the best friend I ever had. We sing the song, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. The reason we sing that is because we've learned that Jesus is indeed the best friend we could ever have. I think of the man that wrote that word years ago, once sat alone beside the highway begging. His eyes were blind the light he could not see. He clutched his rags and shivered in the darkness. Then Jesus came and bade his darkness flee. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. The tears are wiped away. He takes the gloom and fills the life with glory. For all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. This was Jesus, of whom Isaiah wrote, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Chastising our peace was upon him. With his stripes we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. The defendants, ladies and gentlemen, is Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Would you behold the scene? A mob of Jews, the heads of the nation Israel, all night in a mock trial, proclaimed Jesus an imposter and a blasphemer. They led him away, their own Messiah. They led him in chains to deliver the promised one to the Gentile governor. It's almost unthinkable. They knew Jesus was a Jew, but they did not like what he was doing. He had received the favor of the people. His miracles demonstrated who he was. They were insanely jealous. They wanted to get rid of him. So now we come to the judges. We've seen the defendant, now the judges. Look in Matthew 26, 50, verse 57. Matthew 26, verse 57. They that laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, for the scribes and elders were assembled. The first judge before whom Jesus had tried is the religious judge, Annas, a former high priest, thence to Caiaphas, a son-in-law. Their real problem is jealousy. Caiaphas was determined to rule in matters of religion. 
to the self-righteous Pharisee of whom Jesus had said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees, you cannot earn the life. Confidence of real desire for power, he would share with no one. Summoning the Sanhedrin, they hurriedly pronounced the judgment on Jesus. They pronounced the death sentence. But they were powerless to carry out that death sentence. So they led Jesus away to Pilate's judgment hall, the ancient palace of the Jewish kings, now occupied by the Roman government. The Son of God, chained, led by the Jews and Gentiles to Pilate. Think of Pilate for a moment. Pilate was the governor, the Roman governor of that area. He was a native of Seville, Spain, violent, cruel. He was known to be obstinate, reckless, open to bribes, insolent, sarcastic, cynical, handsome, yet weak in courage. He was relentless against the Jews, yet he feared them, lest they should report him to Rome. So Pilate asked for the accusation. What accusation do you have against this man? We perverts the nation, forbade to pay tribute to Caesar, sets him up as a king. None of these accusations were used in the Sanhedrin trial. Pilate took Jesus then for a personal conference. He said to them, are you the king of the Jews? Notice what Jesus said, thou sayest. Did you say this from what you understand? or from what people told you. He puts Pilate on trial. Jesus standing before Pilate, in turn, the God of all creation puts Pilate on trial. Well, it didn't take Pilate very long to understand Jesus was innocent. The Jews continued to mill and howl. Pilate sent Jesus to Herod, then back to Pilate. He declared him innocent a second time. His wife came to him and said, have no dealings with this just man. I've had a dream about him. Don't even touch him. Don't have anything to do with him. Final accusation, Trump in the hand of the Jews. Jesus said, Pilate said, whom we are released, Barabbas or Jesus? They said, Jesus says he's the king. If you're a friend of Caesar, you would not let Jesus go free because Jesus says he's a king and you, we will report you to Rome that you are lifting up this supposed king. That scared Pilate to death. He didn't know what else to do. He ignored his wife's warning. He ignored what his heart told him. He ignored the truth. He even said, what is truth? And then he released Jesus to be crucified. Take him. And they scourged him. The scourging was with a whip of nine tails. Terrible lashes with tips of steel in the end of those lashes. 
They wrapped themselves around the body of Jesus. And when the lashes were taken off, his skin was scraped. His very body was moved with lacerations. Many people have died under that scourging. Very briefly, I want you to come to the jury. The defendant, Jesus, the judge, the jury Sanhedrin, Caiaphas, Annas, Pilate, even Herod, none of them found any fault in him except the Jews. Now we come to the jury. The chief priests hated Jesus. The influential Jewish leaders hated Jesus. The Jerusalem mob were moved to say, crucify him, tame away. They were fickled in their thinking. A few days later they said, hail, here he comes, riding on a donkey on Palm Sunday. Four days later, crucify him, crucify him. People are like that today. All across America, people will remember Jesus this week. Even the newspaper called it Holy Week. They called it Holy Week because of what happened at the end of the week. Jesus was crucified and rose again. They may not believe in the resurrection, but they know that Jesus was a somebody. They have to deal with civilization never been able to put aside Jesus. They have to deal with him, who he was. Jesus was not only on trial that morning. He'd been on trial in men's lives every day since that eventful day. The tragedy, men and women and children are willing to say no to Jesus for power, position, and popularity. Scene has changed now. Faded and gone are the unjust judges. The mob jury has disappeared. Though the defendant remains, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Though the judges of the terror-stricken morning have faded, the frenzied mob of jury are present no more. In their place, I see another judge. That judge is right here in the auditorium. What will you do with Jesus? Either crown him as king and determine you're going to follow him. He will be Lord of all. You will receive him as your king or you will ignore him. You cannot ignore Jesus. You can ignore this preacher. You can ignore your parents, but you cannot ignore Jesus. M.L. Brooks wrote these words. Jesus is standing in Pilate's hall, friendless, forsaken, betrayed by all. Hearken what meaneth the sudden call? What will you do with Jesus? Jesus is standing on trial still. You can be false to him if you will. You can be faithful, though good or ill. What will you do with Jesus? Will you evade him as Pilate tried? Oh, you choose him, whatever be tied. Vainly you struggle with him to hide.
What will you do with Jesus? Will you, like Peter, your Lord, deny? Or will you scorn from him his foes to fly? Daring for Jesus to live or die, what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that Jesus is indeed King and Lord and Savior. He's our Savior now. He's the Lord of those who will trust him and follow him. He will one day be judge and then we'll be king. We pray that someone in this room today will reach out and say, I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand, please. Page 159, out of my bondage, sorrow, night, Jesus, I come to thee. The invitation is very simple. Will you come to the Lord and let him be your savior? We invite him in to be your king, your Lord. I want to plead with you. If you've never received Christ your savior, you've never let him into your heart, why not right now? They say, Lord, I need you. I ask you to come into my heart and be my Savior. Will you do that? If you will, he'll come. Some of you want to just come and pray. If you're here in your church, membership somewhere else, and God is leading you here, you come. While we sing, while we pray, we step out for Christ.